My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. My name is Dallas Montague and I am the co-host here today. And today we have another amazing guest, Michael Ryer. Michael, how are you today? It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day. It is indeed. The hurricane, are you getting affected by the hurricane at all where you're living? Absolutely not. We're in Texas. It doesn't even, it's not even thinking about rain in here. So, um, <laughs> not even a thought, could, huh? We could, wish we could import some of that rain up this way. So. Mm-hmm. We're here in Brazil and we are getting a lot of rain. This week has been a lot of rain, but of course, nothing compared wow. to Florida, the heart of Florida there. So, yeah. well, I just want to tell our audience here, Michael is the president and CEO of an amazing organization named Amigos Internationales. And this is Spanish, Friends internationals in english just so our our friends here can understand this i'm sure everybody knows the word amigos international is pretty close to this word in spanish as well but michael i'm really excited to hear about the work that you guys are doing in africa and all over the world this ministry has been working for 55 years and they are doing so much work and so before we talk about these things michael please give us your christian testimony tell our audience who you are a little bit about your family and why you are a believer today great thank you well i uh i I was kind of a church kid i was born on a sunday and my mother held a grudge because she couldn't go to sunday school and teach that (laughs) sunday morning but the next sunday and probably thereafter i uh, i was in church i I tell people that i had a drug problem at early age because my parents drug me to church every time the doors were open I'm I'm grateful for that because at, at the age of five years old I, I was in a little revival and and I gave my heart to to Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and uh, I, I you know as every kid does as as you uh, go through your teenage years you kind of sh- struggle a little bit but at the age of sixteen I kind of what I, ca- I call it I put a, a a stake in the ground and I said God I, I don't know if at five you know there's not a lot of sin you can be saved from at five years old you know mm-hmm. but I knew at 16 I wanted to make sure and so I asked I I, I settled it that I was committed to him shortly thereafter he uh, called me into the ministry and I have been a worship leader and church administrator for the past 43 years having just recently retired to uh, from that ministry to work full time with Amigos uh, as full time. So it's pretty been a pretty exciting, exciting time in my life. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. And Michael, can you tell us a little bit about your family as well? well I have a wife of uh, 38 years. I have a daughter that has uh, three children. I have a son that has two uh, young boys and uh, our first granddaughter from my my daughter first granddaughter was born she's uh oh, i gotta get nine months old uh oh. this week so we're excited about that it's praise god <laughs> praise god for grandbabies i always love you to did. ask this question about how did becoming a christian help you to be a better father i really like this question 
Well, I, I think that, uh, and, and this is what's so sad because so many men have uh, failed in their, their relationship with their children. I, I think that we have to be as best we can, uh, a earthly reflection of what the heavenly father wants to. It's hard when you've had abusive father and that's part of our ministry. And I'll, I can go into that. But when you have an abusive father and you go to someone and say, the father loves you, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> that's the last thing they want to hear is that my father's loved me in the wrong way a long time. So for me, we have to be a have an earthly reflection of what the heavenly father can be to, to each person, whether that's your child or, or somebody that you meet on the street. You know, I've got a number of, of, of people that help our ministry that I call them my daughter and they're, they're younger than my daughter is. And I try to treat them the same way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit more about Amigos. So what led sure. you to work with this ministry? Because it's been for 55 years. It's been functioning for, a, for quite a long time. So what led you into working with this? ELR Shop is an educational and inspirational shop designed to provide digital prints for kids, teens, and adults. All proceeds help support their ministry and missionary work. You can find ELR Shop on etsy.com backslash shop backslash ELR Shop and all other social media platforms listed in the shop. Welcome to Spain, the land of tomatoes, olives, and magic. Adoro Villa goes on a trip to Spain during his summer vacation. However, while hiking in the forest, he gets lost. While searching for a way out of the woods, he finds a young girl who is also lost. The two wander around nature's landscapes before they meet an enigmatic woman, Lady of Elch, who helps them find their way out of Spain's scorching desert. Find more information by searching Life in Colors on Amazon by Aaron Alberto today. And let's talk a little bit more about Amigos. So what led sure. you to work with this ministry? Because it's been for 55 years. It's been functioning for a, for quite a long time. So what led you into working with this? Well, I've, I have known Amigos since I was uh, eight years old, and it's very infancy. Uh, I was in church, and we invited a gentleman named John Lanou, who uh, most people in humanitarian aid disaster relief, he's kind of the father of modern-day disaster relief. Uh, he would come and, and he began Amigos by building mobile medical and mobile dental clinics for the river. And he would come speak to our church about what he's doing. He never asked for anything. He asked the father at night and people would walk up to him the next morning and say, hey, I'm remodeling my dental office. You need a chair. Or you need some tools. And and I thought at eight years old, I said, I don't know of a God. My God doesn't operate like that. I want to know who that God is. And so he became my mentor and and friend over these past 55 years. And uh, it's it's just grown. He asked me to be on the board 14, no, 17 years ago. And he began to retire uh, eight years ago. He's still on our board, but he retired as our president and asked me to, they had the board asked me to take over. And so I began doing that as a volunteer, working at a church and continuing to work with Amigos. Mm -hmm. And uh, you may know the 18 wheelers that feed all the thousands of people during hurricanes. John Lanou designed and built the first one of those in his backyard in wow. 1967. And he, wow. he drew it out on a napkin and he said, I don't like that. That's backwards. So he held the napkin up to the window and put a piece of paper there as a mirror and redrew it. And he looked at it and he said, that's perfect. And he went out and built it in his backyard. Wow. Now there's 
like 1,500 units in the United States and over 96,000 volunteers that, that feed thousands. There's probably several of them going down to uh, Florida right now or they're on their way or will be there soon feeding 60,000 to 100,000 people a day out of those things. And we were kind of the beginnings of that. God allowed us to be a part of that. So we've we maybe we haven't heard of him himself, but we've seen his influence that's impacted the country and impacted the world, Ab- right? Wow. Absolutely. He wow. was in New York uh, when people were charging six thousand dollars to clean apartments. He and our group were in, in New York ground zero cleaning apartments because Jesus loved them for nothing. And nobody understood why. And he just he was able to share Jesus with them. Was in Russia giving teddy bears away uh to children in, in the middle of an earthquake. Uh when Saddam Hussein chased the Kurds up into uh, the mountains and were freezing. He took a group of uh, people to be to a kitchen, a portable kitchen, and fed them for six months. And uh, the people knew him as a man of love because uh, most of them didn't understand a God that loved. And uh, he was actually anointed with rosewood oil by a imam, uh, an imam in uh, Russia uh, because of the good that he did. And uh, it's an amazing story of his life. Yeah, we have that book, God. by the way, on our website. He can he has a has written a book and it's on our podcast uh, of of those of his life. It's called Walking with God in Broken Places. And it, it'll make you cry every page of it. It's mm-hmm. how God worked on a daily basis in his life. And it's incredible that he's still alive and he can still see the work with his own eyes of what God is doing with this ministry over the years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, his wife passed away, who's a great prayer warrior. And uh, when she passed away, we decided to build a church in her uh, memory in Uganda, in Gulu, where our, one of our places is. We've been in existence a year. The building's complete. And we've already seen 120 souls saved, 70 in just the first 60, 60 days uh, were saved. And uh, I was there a couple of weeks ago and was able to baptize 30 of them. And so it was a, in the river. Pretty amazing, amazing day. We're going to be talking about that here in a little bit about your recent trip yeah. to Africa. But I do want to ask as the ministry, since you're representing the ministry, where has the ministry worked? Where is it operating right now? Just tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we've worked pretty much all over the world in, in different. Uh, we've been in uh, some places I can't tell you that we've been in. Uh, been some pretty amazing things. We've been in Russia. Uh, there's a map on our site of, of all the countries that we've been in. Uh, we were in Sri Lanka when the tsunami hit. We were cleaning out water wells because the salt water, uh, when the tsunami hit, it filled up all the wells with salt water. So we went in and pumped out the, the water wells. John was a part of that. Uh, we've, uh, we've been pretty much everywhere you can imagine. Right now, currently, uh, we actually are working with USAID to feed seven and a half million meals in Guatemala every year to the children there. Uh, our ministry with the USAID has put over 159,000 ton, metric tons of food since 2002 into the world, into the hungry people around the world, uh, from Malawi all the way to Peru, uh, to uh, Asia and uh, in Mexico and South America. A lot of different places. Without telling us about your recent Africa trip, do you have some other amazing testimonies that what God has done in some of these countries? Oh, sure. I uh, I went down to Guatemala. Uh, I, I go two two times a year, and uh, we do a festival when, when we try to give these children uh, food and and uh, 
a couple of times. One, we went down on Christmas and we went up to El Mahon, which is down in the Honduran border. And uh, it was the, I've camped out all my life. I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country, but it was the coldest night I've ever spent. We went through the through the clouds up to the top of this mountain and there was a village called El Mahon. And there were probably uh, 55, 60 kids that were just waiting for us, freezing to death. They were in flip-flops. And we gave them uh, Christmas presents. We brought coats. We brought shoes. Uh, we fed them. Uh, it was an amazing two days there on the mountain with them. Uh, and then, and I, I want to give credit to, to this also. We were at another place a, a year later or the year before. And uh, we actually uh, went to a little village that had no water at all. And these children were starving. And we literally put Tom's shoes on their feet. I took, uh, I was able to take uh, some boots that were probably four or five sizes too big off this little boy. And I've got the picture on my website. And we were, we did a little ceremonial washing of the feet. We put new socks on their, their feet and put Tom, actual Tom shoes on each one of their feet and gave them all new shoes there. And it was really, really touching and moving. And of course, we work with World Vision. We get their height and weight to make sure that the food that the U.S. gives them is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And we've gotten great results from that. So there's been a lot of nutritional value in that. So mm -hmm. For our audience who haven't been able to travel to do maybe a short-term short -term mission trip, what is the reaction of these children? Can you just tell us what that's like? Oh, it, that, it, it, it's an amazing thing uh, when you when you pull up and you see them running across the field. To, to, they don't know why they're running across. They just know that there's some good things fixing to happen and uh, that they just grab you. They never seen them before. They don't know you from Adam and, and they're hugging you and mm -hmm. hugging on your neck, just knowing that you represent the love of God and that we can share that with them mm -hmm. is an amazing experience. That's it. I remember being in Asia, in Thailand, in Cambodia, where the children were just run and run and run, you know, behind the truck. And yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it is. And you have a big project happening in Uganda right now. You you did mention a, a few things about that. Please tell us a little bit more. What are your guys' plans there? Well, we've, we've got a special project that we've started uh, this past year in, in that uh, we are building and we have a commitment to build 10 orphanages, children's homes. Uh, but this one particular one is, is going to be our model. It, it is, there's nothing like it. We've been told by the number one uh, children's, children's person, the Minister of Gender in Uganda, that there's nothing like it in Uganda. But it's going to be kind of the Disney world of a, a children's home. And we're going to rescue children from sex trafficking. We're going to go after the worst of the worst of the worst. And we've talked to the police and they're going to help us. Uh, we've got some people that uh, may not be the best people in the world, but they're going to help us go into the worst of situations, pull out these kids and arrest these men. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to place them in a home. We're going to give them uh, counseling. We have full-time counselors that will be in there. Uh, this first home is 150 children. Uh, it's going to have a splash park in the back. No, and so that the kids can actually be kids again. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the special parts about ours uh, that sets us apart from the others in Uganda is that uh, we will have goats and chickens and we're going to do aquaponics farms. So they're going to have some chores to do. Uh, our goal is to make them is getting them back to a real family atmosphere where they have, you know, there's going to be kids that go get the, the eggs every morning and feed the goats and things before school. 
And then we're building a school that we will put them in and give them an education. This particular house will uh, home uh, will have uh, Internet, uh, high quality video. We're going to actually have we've already got volunteers lined up from some several leading universities in the United States that and, and in England, actually, that will give them some education. We can do some correspondence courses, do some Internet classes. So they're not only going to get their childhood back, but they're going to get a solid education. We're working on a plan to uh, do job skills training so that we can, uh, the older ones, uh, we can give them job skills so that when they leave, they can become a functioning part of society. And that, to that me is, is the is top of the important. top of the top of the top. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. And we've got a commitment to uh, do 10 orphanages in 10 countries over the next 10 years. Just like that, to, to eliminate sex trafficking, give the children their home, their lives back, their children, childhood back. And uh, we've got a medical facility that'll be in, in place. I mean, we're, we're not going to take out kidneys, but if they scrape their elbow or they need pill, you know, pharmaceuticals, we'll have that locked down and there'll be a nurse on site to help them as well. So uh, you can go online at our website and see the progress as it's being built. We're about halfway done with the main main facility right now so it's Praise that's exciting God for this ministry and the work yeah. that you guys are doing and something that you did mention that caught my ear was that you were saying not some of the best people are going to be taking us into the dangerous places and let's hope yeah. that by this the mercy of god touches their lives and they see what oh, you absolutely. guys are doing and then they give their life to jesus as well come on Ab yeah. absolutely that's that it's a whole point. waves you know a ripple effect in in this country. concentric circles absolutely wow. incredible and i do want to oh do you have any of the other countries that you guys will be going into or you're not sure yet with the 10 orphanages well we're, we're not really sure there's there we've got guatemala lined up for sure and uh of course our work right now is in near south sudan uh the congo uh, there are some of the most dangerous places in the world. In fact, uh, I've got a story about our school that we're, we've already built and started, uh, where one of the worst warlords in African history is still alive in the Congo and still killing people. And uh, I, our our desire is to to go in there. And I, I went to Portland, Maine the other day, uh, several months ago, actually, to speak to a man that's kind of helping children that he is uh he's working uh with and uh he had just killed 23 people in a convoy and left them laying in a in a, a shed and burned the the vehicles and stole all the humanitarian oh, aid uh he's been convicted of three or four uh, war crimes uh but he's hiding out in the congo and that's one of the people i want to go after and i want to i want to see see that terror uh spoiled and, and ruined and and that we can actually help kids that that he's deal he's he's hurt forever man and tell us a little bit about your recent trip this is something i'm really excited to hear about you said that there were some baptisms there were some other things that happened there please share that this testimony with our audience oh sure i i, I went mainly uh well twofold one is to get all the things uh settled with the orphanage because we're finalizing that hopefully grand opening will be in january uh and then we went to our 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 headquarters where our, our main work is which is in gulu uh the children's home is going to be in the southern part near jinja uh, and off of uh, uh, the lake there uh we go up northern uh 
uh, Uganda to Gulu and the refugee camps from South Sudan. Uh, we uh, started with this one school and uh, we, we had 13 children that we had sponsored. Uh, we had kept some friends of ours. Uh, we gathered a group, 13 people to, to sponsor these children, keep them in school because you have to pay your own school fees in Uganda. Uh, you have to go to school, but then you have to pay for it. And these are all or what they call orphan led families. And they have no, they have no families. Their parents have died of AIDS or part of this war, this LDR war. And uh, uh, so they may have three or four brothers and sisters in their house under them. The grandmother may live down the road uh, and check on them every once in a while, but most of the time they can't pay their school fees. They go home and sit and try to figure out some way to make a living. Well, what happens is the men of the village find out they take the girls into the, into the woods and, and pay them for sex and abuse them. And then they'll, they'll beat the girls up, take the money back and leave them in the woods out in the bush. And so that abuse is, is something that we tried to stop by, by keeping these kids in school. Well, I, I told, I think I shared earlier with you that uh, we've got a young lady that was on the streets four years ago and I recently interviewed her uh, name's Mary and she got, actually spoke uh, a poem in French. So mm -hmm. she's not only in a boarding school, but she's learning French and becoming a functioning part of her society. Uh, from that ministry, we, we bought a school because uh, I wanted uh, to increase our, our sponsorship. And my guy over there in Uganda, Patrick Kibota, uh said that I think we can build a, buy a school for what we've spent for these 13 kids. So I said, no, we can't do that. And so he found one. We recently bought it. It was it was closed due to COVID. Uh, had no uh, dirt floors, no windows, no doors. Was not finished. We recently spent one hundred and forty five thousand dollars into that school. We've got uh, concrete floors, windows, doors. We've got solar. We've got a first thing we do is we build a water water well. So the average African woman walks four and a half miles to get water, carrying a five gallon can of water which is 41 pounds on their head most of them are balancing it on their heads it's amazing uh so we drill a water well first that brings the people in and then uh, we started this school we put solar for a water pump so they'll have running water we put solar so they have lights uh, we're actually going to have flushing toilets which these kids have never seen that before and we're going to have to teach them how to use that but uh, mm -hmm. this past year we opened up the school we had 144 children in the school mm -hmm. and uh this school was the epicenter, the headquarters of the Lord's Resistance Army, which is Joseph Coney. I didn't know that until we'd already bought the school. And uh, I met a man uh, uh, through Facebook and, and last I met him this past week named George. That was a child in the 80s that George Coney would force the men, the boys to butcher their parents with a machete and then put them in his army. And the girls he sold for sex trafficking in the 80s, 90s and 2000s, he did over 100,000 children. And so he's the one that's convicted of all the, the war crimes. And uh, so we've decided to rebuild that community. We're putting a demonstration farm in. Uh, we've got goats. We're building the fence today uh, right now with uh, to put goats, uh, milk goats and meat goats in there. We've got uh, beans. We're going to do coffee plants, which I'm very, extremely excited about. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got all kinds of vegetables and growing. But beside that, uh, to when we found out about this uh, devastation, we decided to build a church and put a church there. So we started Agape Baptist Church, and there were 70 people saved in the first 60 days. Cool. And uh, there, now we've had 120 this past year. We named the church after 
Dr. John's uh, wife, Dr. L Memorial uh, Education Building and Worship Building. And uh, those 30 people, part of that 30 people on the third day I got to baptize were from that church. And it's an amazing opportunity to walk two miles through the bush. And I mean bush, there's nothing around. And you walk down to the river that's flowing because it's the rainy season. You can't, almost can't get in the river. And then you baptize 30 people. It's pretty uh, amazing day. Amazing. And then these people come back and, and we feed them and we have a big worship celebration. And it, it, it's it's an amazing thing. So I have two further questions with that. What's the worship like in Africa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It's, it's interesting, uh, it's, right? It's it's dance. Wow. It's exciting. Uh, the, the thing that we don't understand as Americans or, or in, without that culture is uh, we teach culture by stories. You know, we tell bedtime stories. They teach their culture through dance. So dance is just a natural part of their life and what they do. And so uh, in their worship, dance is the same same thing. And so it's exciting. It's thrilling. It's and I've got videos on our website of the dance and and uh, uh, the native the native dances that they do. It, it's just thrilling. And then uh, these people are so hungry for something. You know, they're they're underneath the tree. And, and, you know, we've got people here in the United States fighting over the color of carpet. And these guys are just under a tree. Glad to have glad to have a tree shade. So they're not out in the hot sun. And uh, that's what, that our third place we went to, our, our newest uh, work that we're opening up a church in, has nothing but a tree. Uh, while I was there, we drilled a water well and hit water at 60 meters. Uh, and the women were just, they were at celebration because they don't have to walk three miles to get their water anymore. And so, but the worship is just yeah. electrifying. It really is. <laughs> I've seen videos. And so I, was, I had to ask. Yeah. Another yeah. question. Do you have any conflict being there do people mess with the solar power do they try to steal the material the all the things that you guys are doing there oh yeah i, I mean everything is uh, it's it's not as bad as you might think uh the closer you get to south sudan and the congo which we got some work there you have to watch it carefully we we uh uh a site that we put a water well in about two months ago and we're building a church now there we had to build a storage unit first so that we can put the chairs and the sound system in and make sure that it's secure. Mm -hmm. Because when I say we're in the bush, I mean, we're in the bush. We were in a four-wheel drive truck uh, vehicle, and we drove on a walking path with one wheel on the walking path, one wheel in the weeds. And we drove miles and miles and miles to this to get to this place where people are walking from South Sudan uh 35, 40 miles, 50 miles to get to Uganda because Uganda will give them a 300 square foot place of land to build uh, a, a paper hut and uh, maybe make a small garden and at least give them some safety and security. Because that's the one thing Uganda's done is made sure that it's a safe place for the war and keep them keep them safe. So the government's bringing these people in. Uh, these tribes are giving us land to drill water wells and build churches and schools on. And uh, I've, I, this latest place uh, we're putting in a building, I've, I've got 31 children, first and second graders, that would have to walk 15 kilometers to the nearest school to get any education at all. And they can't do that. So mm -hmm. we're going to we're going to build a building. We're going to put a school there and we're going to teach them uh, a Christian school. Uh, solid biblical principles and also their their three r's reading writing arithmetic 
But in Choli, I don't think that it's ours. So I don't know what they would call it in that language. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you guys teach English as well, or that's not something that's necessary? In well, Uganda? actually, after I said that, it, uh, English is the official language. So they teach everything in school in English, which is some of the problem we have with our sponsored kids is they know their native language, which in northern Uganda is a Choli, uh, mm -hmm. which is one of the more difficult languages in the world. Uh, uh, but uh, they they teach and speak in English. So everybody knows English pretty much there, there uh, at least conversational English. So you're not working so with the translator hard. at all when you go. That helps a lot. That helps a lot. Well, when we preach, they they when we preach and we share the gospel, they, they will translate it just because it makes it easier for some mm -hmm. of our churchy words you know that we that just yeah. slip in naturally you try not to use them but it helps interpret what we're, we're saying but yeah a lot of times there's a translator for me here in brazil i never want to preach without a translator even if i'm fluent in portuguese which i'm not but i just think the word yeah. of the lord is so important it's translation oh, yeah. you, is you know i don't want to get anything wrong i want them to understand what i'm saying you know and absolutely and so everything you're saying critical Wow, this is so incredible, this ministry. I, I need to look into it more. And sure. how can our audience get involved with your ministry? Maybe it's support, maybe it's volunteering, maybe other things that they can they can work, they can help with. Well, there, there, there's a lot of things that they can do. Uh, first off, that we're we're in, in the very beginning stages of trying to do a, a, a national or a global prayer ministry. Uh, I, more than anything I need, uh, more than money, more than any, uh, and that's kind of hard for a nonprofit to say more than money. Uh, God's got the money. He owns us the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll meet my needs. Uh, I need, I need to know that there are uh, a thousand uh, women, men, children that are getting up every morning and praying for what we're doing, praying for these kids that, that walk a uh, hundred miles from South Sudan and just find a place and they're looking for a, for a home uh, and a church uh, that they'll find these people and uh, uh, that prayer. But secondly, you can go and, and yeah, of course we could use, uh, there's a new song by Kurt Franklin. I don't know if I get in trouble by mentioning it, but it's bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord, indeed. So that all the world around me can have everything I need. Uh, yeah. Amigos is verse uh, model verses in Deuteronomy 15, which says when someone gives you something, this is my, translation keep it in your hand don't put it in your heart because if it's in your heart you'll hang on to it but if someone gives you something keep it in your hand so that you can give it away and that that's our model is that uh we 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 don't uh we don't try to hang on to very much of anything we we try to move it from one hand to the next into uganda but there are on our website amigosii.org there's several ways you can donate uh ways you can give Thirdly, we're going to begin to, uh, and we've already done this, we've taken uh, people over there. Uh, it's a pretty neat uh, situation. They go and they'll preach, they'll they'll minister. And then uh, the last two days, we take them to Murkison Falls, which they'll see hippopotamuses and lions and hopefully lions. Only one time we've seen lions, uh, leopards and, and, you know, animals in the reserve there that uh, uh, they get to see kind of a little safari on the way out. We're, we're going to do that two or three times a year. So that people can minister, but yet also see a part of Africa that they never have have gotten the chance to see. So, mm -hmm. uh, and and then there's all other kinds of ways. Uh, and my contacts on the website to call me, uh, email me, call me. I'll I'll figure out a way we can get you to plug in, and uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. We try to get out a, a an email newsletter once a week, 
it's more like twice a month because <laughs> I'm just too busy. Uh, and then quarterly, we do a, a big paper newsletter every every quarter. So to kind of let you know what's going on. So in our our audience start to pray, Lord, send me, send me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. Amazing. I'm ready. So incredible. And one more question for you. How many times do you go to Uganda a year? I try to go to Uganda at least once a year, uh, sometimes twice. I go to Guatemala. Uh, due to my grant, I'm, I'm going twice a year at least. Uh, we're trying to open up uh, a USAID grant to Peru. We've been asked because there's a great need for Peru. And uh, I, I'm praying about it. There's a, a huge need in Pakistan. Uh, I, I, I want to go somewhere. I, I think God's leading us to open up some other area. But again, if we get too thin, then we can't uh, we can't meet all our needs. And I'll tell you, I, my office is is lined with pictures of our children, uh, of all the children we've ministered. And it haunts me. I and mean, it's a bad word to say. But as I walk through these hallways, I understand that if we fail, these children don't eat. Yeah. They're not going to get educated. So that that's uppermost in in my mind is to keep cost low and 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 min, put the ministry dollars out there so these children who are dependent completely totally one hundred percent on education and food and ministry uh, for us we've got a young man named Shafiq that uh, mother was a prostitute you'll find his his website his story uh, at ten years old his mother took him to the to the bar that she was a prostitute at and made him pimp her out for three years until he decided to run away because the women were beginning to abuse him and he's now uh, being protected in one of our homes. And so it's, it's an amazing story of kids that, that need cut the love of God and, and they find it through what we're trying to do. Michael, thank you so much for sharing everything that you did today. If you could leave our audience with one overall thought, what do you think that would be today? Uh, our, our motto is love God, love others and, and teach others to do the same. And that's, that's kind of what we want to do is, is just wherever you are, uh, make the world a better, you know, our, our, we're saving children one life at a time. And if you can, and if it's not just us, I mean, if you can give a little bit to any organ, there's a lot of organizations doing good. Don't just hang on to it. Uh, when you hang on to it, uh, it doesn't do anybody, it won't even do you any good. Uh, but give, give, give generously and sacrificially. To, we, our world's in a mess. We've got to do something to fix it mm-hmm. or try to help at least a little bit. Well, thank you so much. If I can have you end our time sure. together with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. Sure. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for today, for the opportunity just to share about what you're doing in our world. Father, just through us, and I know you're doing so many more things, uh, Lord, in this world. And I pray for this podcast. I pray that you'll bless it, Father, that your word will go away. You promise us that it will not go away, go out, avoid, go away without any, uh, without any good, Father. And we, we're, we're praying that you will just bless this ministry. Father, you'll bless the efforts and the work of the, your people as we try to reach and save children one life at a time. We pray that we know you're, you're the one that does that. We, we commit it all to you, and we thank you for this time. It's in your son Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and supporting another episode of My Life Now. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend. Together, we can keep the message of these books alive. Until we turn the next page together... 
stay classy.